0: From Eyewitness News, this is Newsmakers. Welcome to Newsmakers, I'm Tim White. Ted Nisi will join me on the second half. Some updated revenue projections for the state came out recently, and as you can imagine, they are grim. Here to talk about crafting a state budget during a pandemic pandemic, is State Senate Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey. Leader, it's good to have you on the program, and I want to dive right into that uh, topic. You know, those budget numbers are stark. Rhode Island is facing an $800 million shortfall. And look, potential help... From the federal government aside let's shelve that because that is no sure thing how do you even approach uh getting your arms around this massive gap
1: well we we had the uh, revenue estimating conference that came in with those numbers and they're actually terrible numbers and i've been on a conference call with other majority leaders recently and all the states in the new england region are in the same uh, position hopefully the uh, federal government is going to uh, provide additional aid or uh, lessen the restrictions on the CARES money that we received and obviously Jack Reed did a fantastic job in getting us 1.25 billion dollars along with the other members of the congressional delegation and hopefully there's something we can do with that but I mean everyone's going to have to uh, we're going to look at everything uh, to see where we can uh, tighten our belts and what we have to do to try and balance this budget as best we can.
0: Well, there's so much, there are so many strings attached to that $1.25 <clears throat> billion liter, as you know, so uh, likely not all of it can be used to, to close that gap. Let's talk about what's potentially on the table. Are we talking about the possibility of an increase in uh, state revenue through things like sales tax, income tax, or the gas tax?
1: I I would say everything is on the table, and we heard the governor the other day mention the possibility of furloughs and things of that nature. So there's no one answer that's going to fill this hole. Only thing I I will say that is not on the table, I will not vote for an expansion of the uh, tolls beyond the trucks. I mean, other than that, I think we're going to look at everything. We're going to have to tighten our belts. We're going to have to ask the cities and towns to tighten their belts also. I mean, and
0: (laughs) I got to ask you, Leader, just that you you brought up the tolls might freak some people out, going, wait, wait, wait a minute. Was that even a a, a discussion? Is that something that you're hearing could be a possibility, is expanding the use of tolls to increase revenue?
1: I I, I don't, my, my position is I'm not going to vote if there is a push to increase the tolls. I mean, obviously, they were put in for purposes of trucking to repair roads, and that's the way it's going to stay. We always hear people saying, well, you're going to expand the tolls. There's no intention to expand the tolls at this point in time.
0: All right. Uh, Do you want the uh, governor to submit an entire new budget right now, or would you rather just work with the one that she uh, submitted prior to this pandemic and sort of hack it up? What would you like to see?
1: Well, what I can say is that the governor's office is working with the Senate and the House during this whole pandemic process, and hopefully, and I think we will be able to continue to work together going forward. I mean, the governor has been in a difficult situation and has done a a fantastic job. I mean, she's uh, doing, she appears to be doing the right things at the right time and and is always saying, I'm willing to review things in, in the future. And I, I think that uh, we all have to work collaboratively together to get through this this uh, situation that we're in so that we can move forward in the future, be a, a better state.
0: I want to talk a little bit about uh, the governor and how she's been approaching the pandemic in a bit, but uh, just sticking to uh, your branch right now and, and what you are all facing over there, is... Outside their budget, is there any legislation that must be dealt with this session, or is it just all budget, all the time, and everything else got to wait till next year?
1: Well, I I mean, we passed a number of pieces of legislation in the Senate early this session, so we were fortunate in that regard. We will be looking at legislation that city and towns will need for bonding and things of that nature and other legislation that's pertinent to the running of the state of Rhode Island, obviously we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a look at and, and pass if we have to pass. But no doubt about it, the budget is the biggest bill that we're going to address when we come back into session. And, and we're already starting to address it. We had the uh, Joint Commission that met, the House Finance Committee met last week, and I know that the uh, House Fiscal Office and Finance Committee is being updated on a regular basis as to what the numbers are and, and projections and things of that nature.
0: Uh, Leader McCaffrey, you' have been up there for a long time. I, I, I think it's safe to say you've never seen anything like this. And I've just a quick question on on process. Uh, you know the business of, of legislating is being impacted like everything else during the pandemic. How is the Senate going to actually convene as there are so many restrictions right now?
1: Well, I know that uh, we're researching and reaching out to different national uh, legislative organizations to see what different legislative bodies are doing during this pandemic time. At some point in time, we're going to have to get together at least to uh, amend our rules or suspend our rules in one form or another so that we could maybe potentially go to some other form of uh, meeting if if we have to do that.
0: And what about voting? Would remote voting be on the table? As you point out, there are some rules. You have to have a quorum in order to do some proxy voting and things like that. Are remote and proxy voting are those things that you're looking at?
1: Right now, the legal counsel for the Senate is, is researching all those those areas to see what different states are doing, what we, what we can do. But at some point, we're going to have to come in in one form or another to uh, start the process so that we can move forward efficiently during the legislative process to, to vote on a budget. Our budget year ends on June 30th and we have to have a budget in place on July 1st.
0: That is required constitutionally. And speaking of constitutional, um, you know, I told you I wanted to talk about this. You lauded the governor for her performance so far uh, during the pandemic. But you're a lawyer, and I want to take you back. Don't break out into a cold sweat here, leader. I want to take you back to law school (laughs) and your constitutional law class. Um, You know, former state Supreme Court Justice Robert Flanders has said the governor has taken her executive uh, authority a little bit too far during the pandemic and some of her decisions have impinged on certain freedoms. Are you comfortable with how she has operated so far or do you think the power between the executive branch and yours is a bit out of whack right now?
1: I'm comfortable with the way the governor has performed during this uh, pandemic. She's been in constant contact with the uh, Senate president. In addition, we have regular meetings of the leaders of the uh, House and Senate with the governor's staff where they inform us of what's going on and what they anticipate and how they anticipate doing it. And I, I think we do need one leader in, the, in this situation so that we're focused and in going in, in the right direction. And On a daily basis she's updating us and saying she's willing to change things. Obviously us as legislators are getting calls from different businesses saying I need my business open, I want my business open. Can you help, help us to move forward with that? And you're getting calls from people who are having to go back to work and have my young children. They're saying, you know, my children are in daycare. The daycares are open. Those are all things that the governor's office is balancing and thinking what's best for the state of Rhode Island. The numbers that uh, we have in the state of Rhode Island are very good numbers with respect to the the testing and how the governor's been controlling things and I think that's important I was on a a call yesterday with different majority leaders and and they were impressed by the way that the state of Rhode Island numbers are in addition to the way that the state of Rhode Island is so aggressive in the DLT and getting the people their payments and the systems working. Uh, Granted that it's not working fast enough for all the citizens, but overall the system for DLT is working very good.
0: I want to take a, a pause on the topic of the pandemic uh, right now, and I just want to dive briefly into, into politics. I have to w- with you on the program. And i got to ask you about this. Providence City Council Majority Leader Joanne Ryan uh, this week announced a high-profile challenge to incumbent Democratic Senator Sam Bell. Um, I think it's safe to say uh, Senator Bell has been a a thorn in in your side uh, uh, as part of the leadership team. Are you supporting Ryan?
1: Well, what I can say is that CM Bell uh, didn't vote for me as majority leader, has donated a substantial sum of money to uh, the opponent who's running against me, so I'm going to be supporting uh, Councilwoman Ryan.
0: All right, and uh, assuming you are not planning an overthrow of the Senate President right now, <laughs> leader, uh, should that seat become available, is that something you would consider?
1: I, I certainly would consider it. I certainly would consider it.
0: And what do you what what is uh, part of that decision making? What is the thing that you're balancing when you're considering taking on uh, a major leadership role like that, which comes with a ton of responsibility?
1: I'm 110 percent beside pr- behind President Ruggiero and whatever his plans are I'm gonna follow whatever he wants to do. I mean if I think he's doing a good job he's got a good handle of things and he's treating all the members fairly.
0: Uh, I have to ask you about this. We learned this morning that two ex-lawmakers were released from prison uh, today, were recently, and I'm talking to you on a Friday morning. A lot of people are watching this on a Sunday. Ex-lawmakers Ray Gallison and your former Senate colleague Jamie Doyle were both released from prison early. Uh, we don't know at, as we tape this program as to why and if the pandemic had anything to do with it, but as I said, you served with Jamie Doyle, and I wonder if you have any thoughts now on his release from federal prison.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, Jamie was at a low point in his life, and he accepted responsibility, and he moved forward. Uh, I wish him and his family well, and uh, I'm sure he's going to make out all right in the future. He's going to turn out all right in the future. He's accepted responsibility for what he did.
0: I want to wrap up our conversation, Leader, with uh, going back to the pandemic. Uh, You talked about the calls that uh, your office is receiving from people, from businesses who are, are, uh, you know, really feeling it right now, from Parents who say I can't go back to work because the daycare centers are closed or my kids are still in school. There's a lot of uh, things going on right now. As Rhode Island is dipping its toes back into a reopening sooner than its neighbors, we sh- we should point out in the Northeast. Are you comfortable with the governor's approach and timeline so far, or do you think it's too soon or not fast enough?
1: I, I think the governor's using a approach that is fair and reasonable, and she's saying if. The numbers get better I'll speed up the process if we have a little bump in the road I'll have to review it and maybe slow down the process I mean we don't want to open up all the doors and then get into a a big big mess where the numbers start to go through the roof I think the most important thing is that uh, we take care of the health and safety of all the citizens of Rhode Island Senate
0: Majority Leader Michael McCaffrey really good to have you on the program thanks so much for joining us
1: Take care and stay healthy.
0: All right. And when we come back, Eyewitness News, politics, and business editor Ted Nisi joins me live from the State House to talk about this week in news. Stay with us. You're watching Newsmakers. Welcome back to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White. Joining me live from the Rhode Island State House, as he does every week, is Rhode Island, excuse me, Eyewitness News, politics and business editor Ted Nesi. <laughs> Ted, it's good to uh, see you again. Um, you know, just want to break down a couple of things from our uh, first half interview with senate majority leader michael mccaffrey you know clearly it's budget 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 nothing else it doesn't sound like we're gonna see really any other bills there when i asked him about that and boy one thing that sort of came out of left field at least for me was he said and by the way uh... we are not expanding tolling in rhode island to help uh... cover the the shortfalls the revenue shortfalls we have here and i said wait a minute, is that is that something that's being discussed what what was that again that was sort of surprising to me what was behind that do you think yeah I thought that
2: was interesting too, Tim and I was surprised as well but I I to me that is evidence of just how often these lawmakers hear that concern from their constituents I mean you know you and I get that question all the time from viewers uh, they see the gantries go up for the truck tolling program and they many people think no matter how many times speaker Mattiello leader McCaffrey the governor say that will not be extended to passenger cars they think up, oh, it's it's a, a matter of time so I think uh, you know clearly that's been said to him enough, he felt the need to really spell it out right here. I think I think you can tell when something is coming through from the
0: constituents uh, when you hear it right from the lawmakers. And uh, going to the uh, other topic there again, it sounds like it's just going to be all of their bandwidth to deal with the budget shortfall right now. Uh, If if you're someone who doesn't have uh, an interest in the budget, but you might have an interest in a bill that's outside the budget that was probably not a very good interview to hear
2: yeah, I mean, I'm already hearing frustrations, Tim, from some of the advocacy groups um, advocating on other issues. They have, uh, for example, the, the uh, firearms control uh, groups that say they want new restrictions and have been working hard on various bills for years. You know, can, I think they're seeing the writing on the wall, not to mention that issue is always a heavy lift anyway because there's such strong feelings around it and other folks as well who think more needs to be done. Um, I'm hearing from both the House and the Senate side that really to them, the budget this year is such a Colossal and difficult undertaking. Uh, and there's also, as my understanding is, there's just safety concerns about bringing lawmakers up here, how often they should all be in hearing rooms. Uh, you know, we had House Finance last night. It was the first normal committee meeting in about two months. And you didn't have the press in the room. You didn't have the public in the room. All the members were wearing masks. They were spread out at all different tables. Um, so I think part of it is also just a feeling that you just it's very hard to do normal legislating uh, in this environment.
0: And you heard the leader say there that they are looking at amending the rules as they look to uh, reconvene or convene at all uh, uh, during this pandemic. I got to ask you, too, I mean, in some ways during an election year, uh, isn't that isn't this much easier for the lawmakers to just deal with the budget, uh, which is probably landmine in itself, but not have to deal with those hot button issues that you rattled off that helps them in some ways, the incumbents? Absolutely, Tim. I mean, you know, you can you can set your watch
2: to it that, uh, you know, in even numbered years when there's an election, the lawmakers try to avoid major controversial issues that they don't know how their voters will feel when they get to the doorsteps this fall. Uh, And then odd numbered years is usually when they tackle the things that uh, they they hope that. Passions will cool by the time the election comes around. So already, this was going to be a year where there was going to be some hesitation about tough votes, controversial issues. But you know, I think they feel exponentially more that way because of the situation they're in now.
0: And speaking of elections, you know, Ted, when we ask if someone's going to endorse someone within a party in a party, you know, a primary (laughs) battle, usually, you know. The politicians will say, well, it's too early for that, or they don't want to endorse in a primary battle. Not the case here <laughs> with uh, Leader McCaffrey saying he will endorse uh, city councilwoman Joanne Ryan against who I described as a, a thorn in the side uh, to, to Leader McCaffrey, the incumbent state senator Sam Bell. What's, what's behind that relationship? Yeah, well, Senator Bell, you know, he's
2: long been one of the most, you know, vocal progressives in Rhode Island. um, And he has never shied away from, uh, you know, frontal criticism and and, uh, of the sort of democratic leadership structure in the General Assembly. And, uh, you know, there are costs to that. Uh, You know, Bell, of course, thinks, A, that he's correct and B, that, you know, he's advocating for the policies he believes in. But, you know, that has made him enemies. And clearly, Joanne Ryan is going to have strong support from the leadership in the Senate in this challenge but of course you can't rule sam bell out there's a reason he won pretty handily in the primary in 2018 um, you know he he represents a portion of the west side of Providence um, and I think you know I think I think you're going to see him uh, really organize hard and I think I think that's going to be a really interesting election to
0: watch in the coming months as you uh, touched on you covered the House Finance, uh, I think that was Thursday night, I believe, Um, and you you described what it was like to cover that, it's all very different, but from just a budget perspective, what were your takeaways from that? I had, I had kind of,
2: you know, first of all, there's a huge amount of uncertainty still, which is nerve-wracking for all the people have to write the budget when there's only, you know, six weeks left in the fiscal year. But I had two, I'd say, two big takeaways. They know a huge amount of revenue, roughly $800 million over two years, is not actually going to come in. Um, That's not exactly what the deficit will be because stuff changes on the spending side. But you can, you can say there's a huge hole in the current budget and the one that's coming up. And then also on the flip side, there's a huge amount of federal money coming in. Um, you know we've all heard about the 1.25 billion dollars for coronavirus aid that Rhode Island got in the CARES Act. There's hundreds of millions of dollars and other things for testing and the Department of Health and Education and RIPTA. Um, but the question of course is how much will that federal money match up in ways that can cover what has been lost? Because you can't just take that federal money and apply it to all the revenue that's not coming in. Um, so you know, the picture is, it's just very murky right now. It's clearly challenging and and not gonna be easy, but you also don't know if a lot of that federal money can offset a bunch of the revenue losses by plugging holes with education and things, maybe it's not quite as bad as it looks. And they, they just don't know enough yet to say that. Plus, they're, they're, as you heard, waiting for Congress. Will Congress provide more aid to states? And and that's that, too, is very unclear right now. Well, why don't we
0: answer that, have you try and answer the very question you posed, <laughs> which is will Congress provide more aid? There's been a there a couple of bills down there they're talking about uh, for another round of stimulus and part of that may be to help bail out state and municipal budgets what are the chances of that happening?
2: You know, I think you've heard very mixed signals. Obviously, the Democrats are pretty much lockstep in agreement that more aid for states and cities is necessary. Congressman Cicilline says the Heroes Act that the House was planning to vote on on Friday as we tape this uh, would be well over a billion dollars more for Rhode Island, the state, and then plenty more for the cities and towns as well. But the Republicans in the Senate say that bill is a non-starter with them. Um, However, you know, Look at the retail numbers today, look at the unemployment numbers. I have to think that just about every state budget in the country, if not all 50, are going to be challenged, which means while it might sound like a red state, blue state thing in Washington. You might see these Republican senators and congressmen start to think they need to find more money even if they represent a more Republican-leaning state. So that's the real question. How much pressure to the Senate Republicans who generally represent red states in the Senate uh, feel to come up with more money to help state budgets? And I think a lot of that will depend on what they're hearing from their states. But don't we have a preview
0: of that, Ted, from what's happening in the House? It sounds like at least one of the bills is strictly on party lines right now. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Right. Um, But
2: on the other hand, a lot of the Republicans in the House maybe don't want to give Nancy Pelosi a win. Uh, The bill is not endorsed by uh, President Trump. Frankly, uh, Leader McConnell. Uh, has said the Pelosi's bill, the Heroes Act, is going nowhere in the Senate. So the Republicans say this is a message bill. You know, we don't need to take it seriously. Um, So again, I do think uh, the other thing is, you know, part of why there's a self-interest piece to Congress putting up money to help states and cities. Yes, part of it is just to plug holes and because, you know, if uh, if you don't help, there'll be teacher layoffs and, and things like that. But it's also because, you know, if you suddenly throw state budgets into chaos and the states start to make deep cuts, you could exacerbate the recession uh, because you'll have, you know, people losing jobs or at least furloughed. You know, if a state or city worker is furloughed, just like a private sector worker, they're probably going to spend less money. They're not going to go out to eat. They're not, if they're allowed to, you know. And so uh, there was a Wall Street Journal piece the other day saying part of the reason to do it is because the economy can't take any more contraction right now. Um, So I think that's another piece you're gonna have to look at is just how Republican leaders are feeling about the economic outlook uh, in the coming weeks. But again, the other thing is they don't have to do it on Rhode Island's timeline, right? They could they could wait a while to do this.
0: Right. Well, and this uh, brings up the shameless plug uh, portion of Newsmakers. Ted, you and I are hosting a congressional town hall Tuesday night, live at seven o'clock. You and I will be talking to all four members of Rhode Island's federal delegation. You'll be nicely back in the studio, social distancing. They will be uh, via Zoom and will be taking in questions from our viewers through 12 Responds on on WPRI.com. Obviously, this is going to be the big topic at hand, Ted, as we talk to them. But we're going to have a a full hour there. What are you going to be listening for from uh, the members of the delegation Tuesday night at 7 o'clock?
2: Well, one thing is hazard pay for nurses, uh, for frontline workers and grocery stores and things like that. We get that question, you know, Tim, we get that question a lot from mm-hmm. viewers about whether Congress will do something there. Um, I'm also just curious, you know, how, how quickly they think things can return to more normal and how, or how long they feel the crisis is going to last. Um, And also, you know, we're hearing conflicting things on some of the policies they've already adopted. You know, the PPP loan program for small businesses, you need to bring your workers back for that. But we've talked to businesses who say, yeah, but my workers are doing better on unemployment right right now because of the $600 boost. Now on the progressive side, you have people say, well, then you should pay them more. But those businesses say, well, you know, I just don't have the the revenue to, to raise wages to the level that unemployment plus the 600 is doing. So, you know, kind of that question, too, about whether the Policies
0: put in place so far have done what they meant to do, and kind of what their answer is to folks struggling to figure that out. All right, Nisi, don't uh, give away too much. You don't want them to (laughs) see a preview of the questions. All right, uh, switching gears with two minutes left here, Ted. uh, This week we saw a change to the governor's daily briefing. As our viewers will remember, uh, we had to submit our questions previously remotely. They'd ask one question, but now uh, it's being held at the vets, and reporters are They're allowed in there wearing masks and and all that. And we have some video of that on the screen right now, Ted. We're showing it to folks. How's that been going so far as someone who's been in the room?
2: I think it's going pretty well. I think, obviously, reporters wanted to be back in the room to ask their questions directly. I think anyone who's been watching those briefings regularly or or just tuning in once in a while would note that, you know, you can see why. I think you see that if a question isn't answered as specifically as a reporter wanted, they can pipe right up with a follow-up question. Uh, They can press for answers. I also think it it reins in maybe the speechifying by the governor and the health director a little bit. Um, You know, and I think I have to give credit to our uh, co-chief photographer, Corey Welch, been here at the State House and over there mm. every day throughout this crisis for the independent media outlet so that it's not all Capital TV. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, is it different? Yes. Is it a little weird to have a mask on in a theater asking the governor questions spaced out from your fellow reporters? Yes. But, you know, I, I do think We're all having to find new ways to do things and try to keep what's important, which is direct reporter, politician contact,
0: while also abiding by public health guidelines. So hopefully uh, it's a way to have that while keeping everybody healthy and safe. And 30 seconds left, Ted, for folks watching this uh, this weekend on Sunday morning. They will not see a briefing over the weekend, correct?
2: That's right. This is the first weekend without weekend briefings A sign, I think the governor, uh, her office said we want to give you the reporters as well as the public their weekends back. And again, I think it's a sort of effort to ease
0: the crisis feeling and get back to some new version of normalcy. All right, Ted Nisi, thanks so much. And don't forget to tune in Tuesday night at 7 o'clock here on Channel 12 for our congressional town hall. For Ted Nisi, I'm Tim White. We'll see you next week on Newsmakers.